the Between Two Lines podcast, talking about performance, life and everything in between, featuring your hosts, Johnny Stahl and Ash Hamilton. Welcome to the Between Two Lines podcast. Today we had the absolute privilege of having Chris Payton from Queensland coming onto the show. Chris is a wealth of knowledge and has an extensive experience in coaching individuals, whether that's from body composition to movement and rehabilitation. Chris is a big believer in client education and has built his business around this being a pivotal component, taking his life experience and knowledge to help empower individuals to get the best out of themselves. In this podcast, we discuss the challenges and changes that we both have encountered in the last 12 months, which have led to us being better versions of ourselves and the vision that we have in the industry going forward. Please enjoy. So I'm Chris, obviously. Um, I work as a PT and a sports nutritionist in the fitness industry still at the moment. I've been doing it for nine years now. Um, and yeah, likewise to you, Ash, like took a real big interest in rehab biomechanics, um, training technique and, and ensuring that I was delivering that to my clients and not just being any other trainer in the industry that just puts you through a workout. Um, mm. Yeah, so that they were big, big things for me. Um, but yeah, as of this year, sort of pivoting now. So, and we've spoke about briefly, you and I, where we feel like everything is heading now and it's a lot more than just movement. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, it's getting me super curious. So, I'm um I'm quite interested. Like nine years is is quite a amount of time to be in the industry to kind of see a lot of trends and stuff. And how would you say you've you've kind of developed with your approach? You talked about you've developed a, a big thing for biomechanics and helping people outside just training them. Um, how have you kind of evolved um, in the last nine years? And then we can kind of like see how this switch in the last twelve months is is kind of like changed everything again. Yeah, so I guess I, I I started my business in a, a big box environment I, in a good life, and um, I soon became aware of my own internal passions for education, and and ensuring that my clients knew the hows and whys of what they were doing, and I just took a fascination to helping people in any way, shape, or form, and so you know I went down different roads with like body transformations, and I've done that sort of stuff. Um, and it was rewarding. And then I was like, well, what's the next best thing? Like what's going to set my soul on fire with being able to help people. And then it, it sort of trended more to like pain and, and rehab. And with my own experience with injuries, I knew the effects of pain and, and how that impacts a person's mental well-being as well as their physical and, and what limitations it then puts on their life. And so um, I dove really deep into that. You know, I worked with you and I worked with a lot of big coaches in the industry who were doing really well in the scene. And I just, I gathered information and um, I started applying that. And I actually found that I got a huge kick out of getting someone out of pain. And mm. I think that's physical pain. Um, and now it's like, how can I create a space for people to work through physical, emotional and emotional, should I say, and mental pain at the same time. Mm because that's where I think a lot of things are heading. It's a lot more than just the physical body these days. Yeah. And I think that's definitely one of the, the, the biggest things I wanted to kind of dive in today. And we've kind of talked about briefly and I liked how you talked about obviously physical pain or things more around biomechanics leading to, I guess, this perception of pain in the brain, but 
what's what's kind of what's happened this year because we've we've kind of talked throughout the year and there's definitely been a big shift there was obviously at the start of the year and then I know that you're going through a little bit during the year and now it's kind of like you've come out the other side with this I guess profound insights and wanting to share what you've kind of gone through yourself what what's mm. what's happened what's happened this year mate look if if we were just going to look at the last 12 months that would that would be you know, what's that game that everyone plays? I don't play a lot of this sort of shit, but you know how you stack the blocks and then you pull them out. Is it Yahtzee or? Uh, um, Jenga? Uh, Jenga. Jenga. <laughs> Yahtzee. Yahtzee. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. But anyway, the last 12 months has been like that block. Um, and I think it's it's a real combination of everything that's happened across my whole entire life. Um, yep. Uh, I think for the longest time, I was sort of denying myself of who I truly was. And um, I think across the course of my life, like it's, it's led me into situations um, and, you know, in social situations, personal situations, work situations, many situations where I've sort of repressed that true nature of myself and not really like stood into it because I've always tried to fit a mold or wear a mask and, um, and instead of just embodying who I have always felt like I've been and that person is, you know, like it's, it's deep. Like I'm very philosophical. I, I look at things with a pretty crazy lens and that can be hard sometimes for people to relate to. Um, mm. And then so over the last 12 months, um, I mean, and throughout my life too, I've always had battles with anxiety. I definitely knew that was present in my life big time. Um, but as the last 12 months went along, um, it started really kicking up a gear and, um, you know, it started with, it started with panic attacks and it started with a lot of physiological things happening to my body that were telling me something wasn't right until I finally had a ginormous mental breakdown, um, which was eye opening because I got to experience uh, a place that I never thought I could be in, in my life. Oh. Um, but it was, but it was also somewhere where I feel like, on a greater level I needed to go. Um, and so once I got there, um, it was at the same time, actually, I was experiencing a separation from my partner with two young kids and um, everything just sort of hit me like a ton of bricks. It was like my life as I knew it was over in that sense. It was, it was mm. changing. And, and that story that I had told myself was no longer it. And um, I had to then go deep within and then really work out like what this was trying to tell me and, and try and discover who I was um, and what I stood for. And now in turn, bringing that forward for other people. So. Yeah. Nah, man, there's a, there's a lot to, uh, I guess, unpack there. And one of the things that I can definitely relate to, I, I believe all of it, but the thing about the masks and mm. I think that one, I've definitely been trying to play with myself. And mm -hmm. for me, it was what mask do I kind of wear and what settings and, it, yeah. it all comes down to showing people this one side and absolutely, you know, whether it's been at school, being, you know, the class clown and getting sent out and being the, the funny kid or, you know, those are listening that didn't think I was funny. Um, <laughs> that's a different thing, yeah. but it's like, um, you know, or then going out drinking, like I was yeah. the guy that yeah. was like, I'm going to send it. I'm, uh -huh. I'm going to, yep. Let, let's go hard. Let's have fun. Like, yeah. And all yeah. these things. Yeah. And another side to that mask is only showing certain emotions. And correct. I think for me, one of the things that I've kind of been 
becoming aware of is we only show emotions that we've been taught are okay. Correct. And like for me, crying, being upset, I have no issues with like, I don't do it in front of people all the time, but it doesn't really get to me. But the one emotion yep. that I can't show or I'm just starting to kind of even feel is anger. Um, mm, no, anger. Anger is a huge one. Yep. And I, I've never really shown it. I've shown it a little few times in my life and it's, it's had really bad repercussions. And I've been like, nope, no one's seen that. No one wants to be around that. If anyone mm. saw that in me, I would, no one, I wouldn't be loved. No one would want to be around me. And I've mm. kind of like suppressed that massively. And mm-hmm. it's a bit of a tangent, but you know, you probably expose yourself to it. Like everyone's like a reflection of ourselves. And 100%. It, it's funny because like I've been around certain people that I guess are very comfortable showing rage and anger. And it's like, I don't want to be anywhere near them. And I'm only learning now that that's a res- because that's in me. I have this, mm-hmm. you know, ferocious anger that I haven't wanted. I'm like, no, that's not me. I'm not around that. I'm yeah. not an angry person. Um, yeah. So tell us a bit about yourself. Like let's, let's kind of go into these masks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so like for me, it was much the same as you. Like I was, I was the same. Like I've had battles, you know, throughout my entire life with, um, you know, anything ranging from like the party scene. Like I've struggled with addiction all my life. Um, I was just this year diagnosed with ADHD that didn't get picked up. So that was an eye opener for me in so many ways. Um, but also too, you know, like touching on emotions, you know, like I, in my household, when I was growing up, there was a lot of anger. And that was sort of like the default emotion in how things were dealt with. It was like mm. the softer emotions um, weren't allowed. You know, they were, they were pushed down. They were, you know, overseen. And, you know, I've always been like a pretty sensitive soul. And so that was quite hard for me to grow up, like pretending like I wasn't. Mm. And for this whole time, you know, until 26 years old, just not wanting to feel my shit. And then only now realizing that, you need to feel your shit. Like you literally need to feel it. You need to feel whatever's coming through for you at that time. Otherwise you end up getting stuck in an emotion and you never move through it. You end up feeling it. So if it's like, if it's sadness, it's like, Oh, I'm feeling sad. Like I shouldn't be feeling sad. You haven't really moved through that. You've stayed there. You've justified to yourself as to why you shouldn't be feeling it. And then you haven't gone and sat with that, investigated that gone introspective on yourself and worked through it. Mm. And, um, and so what you end up doing is you just end up storing it in the body over and over and over again until it spills and it can spill in many ways, shapes or form. And for me, I, I'm like you, I find it's anger. And um, I think anger is a really important emotion. Like it's a super important one. I feel harnessed in the right way. It can um, give you a lot of self-preservation. It can, you know, keep you safe from situations and, and mm. it allows you to have your own back, but, when it manifests into your life too frequently in areas that it maybe shouldn't, then that's when you've probably got to question like what's underneath the anger and then. Go yeah. And I, I think that you said something that was, was awesome was that identifying what the motion means. Cause at the end of the day, we're, we're always going to experience emotions and, you know, people like to say good or bad emotions and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, they're emotions, the energy yep. that's in flow and um, we, we're going to experience them. And I think a lot of people think that you'll get to a stage where you won't feel emotions. Yeah. And that that's never going to be the case. And, but the difference with, between, I think it being, I guess, let's just use good and bad because people understand it is if you get angry 
and you express that rage and everything like that. But then you look back and be like, why did I feel that? What is that emotion? What, what's prompted that? Is it because like people aren't listening and you want to feel heard? And that's why you're feeling the, the, the anger? Because then you can be aware of it. It's like, all right, next time it comes up, oh, I'm feeling that because I'm not being heard. Can I, how can I go about changing whether that's saying I say, whether that's saying I do or the, how I kind of perceive that. And now it's no longer this kind of, you know, anger is bad. And it, it's yep. just merely feedback, just like everything, like knee pain is feedback that something needs to change. And it's 100%. like emotions are just feedback to tell you what's kind of going on, which yep. allows you to then change. And I think that yep. um, that's where I, I think, and also controlling emotions, like having healthy kind of like out, out, um, outlets. Um, yep. Because I, I did this course earlier in this year. And one of the things that it was a men's course and, one of the things that we got was learning to like, you know, kind of cup both hands and place it over your hand and like yell and scream and shake your body and get that energy out, go to the toilet, flush the toilet and do that. Then you can get it out. No one heard it. You can now step back in and continue on with life. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think you, you sort of hit the nail on the head there, man. Like we're, we're bred into a society where, you know, pausing is really bad. Mm. Silence is terrible. We have to have an answer straight away. But, you know, I think we really need to step into a space where we can pause a little bit more and think and not react as much is probably the word I'm looking for. It's, mm. every, we re, I mean, I still do it. I catch myself all the time, I think. And this is part of, I think, what it means to be human is, you know, you have to accept that you are in a, a work in progress. And just when you feel like you're on a roll with self-development and you're cultivating, <laughs> you know, certain things within you, you're going to fuck it up again. And, yep. you know, and then, so then it becomes about having compassion for yourself and, and self-love and, and kindness. And can I just say like, that's been the biggest and hardest challenge for me um, is, you know, taking care of myself the way I take care of other people. I'm very good at doing that. Mm. But I've always had, I've always had, a, I always had bad ways of taking care of myself. You know, I was numbing out, I was using drugs, I was using alcohol you know, I was looking for an escape on everything that I could. And um, now for me, like you said before, it's about pausing and reflecting and, and not turning to things for a quick hit. And um, it's uncomfortable, but, you know, yeah. it's, it's what needs to happen. It's what needs to happen. And I think, like you said before, you know, it's, it's always something deeper, like why I'm angry. Am I not being seen? Am I not being heard? And I think we're not the only ones that feel like that. A lot of people at some point in their life have felt suppressed, not seen, not heard, not mm. validated, not wanted, not loved, not enough, not worthy, not this, not that. And um, as a result, then we look for it everywhere outside of ourselves. Yeah, 100%. And with uh, that that whole taking care of yourself, having that compassion, it's, it's quite funny because for someone like yourself and myself who love learning, who love implementing, like who love helping other people, I know that the biggest thing that I've struggled with is taking that knowledge and implement it myself. And mm -hmm. I was like you, it's like, yeah, I do live quite a healthy lifestyle, but I know that there is very destructive and things that are very unhealthy that I've done for a long time. Um, and speaking of anxiety, like it's only now, I don't know, for, for many years now, I've had this like health anxiety where I've thought worst case scenario, you know, I have a headache. Oh, it must be a brain tumor. Oh, I've got some numbness tingling. It must be MS. 
and man, the amount of doctor's appointments and, you know, Dr. Googles and, you know, having to go to learning uni where we're learning about these things and have to study about it. I'm like, Oh man, like I'd get times where I'd have panic attacks and overwhelm and couldn't sleep and reaching out to friends and people for support. But what I've learned, and as we you've been talking about constantly throughout this is that underlying cause and the underlying cause for me was that I didn't trust myself and trust my body to be okay. And as a result, me experiencing anxiety meant that I went to, uh, you know, uh, psychologists or doctors or reach out to my friends and family or my missus at the time. And it's like, I got that support. So it's like, even though I didn't want anxiety, I was actually getting all these benefits of support that I didn't think I had in my life to show people cared for me. And it's like, I didn't want to actually on a subconscious level, get rid of this anxiety. Cause it's like, fuck, I've got people that show they, they care. All I have to do is 100%. worry and stress and all these things. Um, and now because I've started showing myself some more, I guess, let's go with self-love. I'm not a big fan of that line, but you know, it works. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I barely, or if, if this anxiety does come up, it's like there for a second and then it's gone. And it's like, it's taken a long time of actually figuring out what this root cause is, but now being un- understanding that it's like, Hey, I'm going to be okay. And yeah, 100%, um, and yeah, hundred percent. You always are. You, mm. know? you always are. And I think you know, I spoke about this a little bit ago on a post um, or it might've been on a story of mine. And I think the biggest thing with anxiety for me was when I started having those panic attacks, when I started getting into those rabbit hole thought loops, it was actually just coming back to my body and, um, you know, realizing that whatever we are, we are not just, you know, the meat suit that we wear and, mm. you know, that for lack of a better term, the meat suit could chose a better word, but that's what's, <laughs> that's what's feeling all those, that's what's feeling all those symptoms, you know, that's what's feeling yep. all those symptoms. And, um, we're not actually experiencing any danger right then and there. And, it's um it's a it's a tricky one it's really hard because if your whole life you you know identified with the things that go in in your head and believed them so wholeheartedly then you believe that what is happening to you in that moment is real and and when you step back and you have the ability to become that that greater awareness and go fuck my body is dipping out at the moment like that's really interesting i'm going to get curious as to what that's about what can i see what can i feel what can i touch right now oh i'm actually safe like this is all actually mm. coming from thoughts. Like I'm in no danger right now. Mm. I'm fine. And, um, you know, that's, that's like a beautiful thing to have not had and then discover because it allows you to just get your body under control so much quicker. I mean, I used to you lose sleep at night. I was a terrible insomniac. Um, just that repetitive cycle. And then I wasn't asleep early as I should have been. So then I was worried about waking up the next day and having three hours sleep being shit for my clients. If I was shit for my clients, I'd lose business. If I lost my business, I wouldn't be able to support my family. And then if I couldn't support my family, they would leave. You know what I mean? Like you just fuck yourself in the head. And, and now, you know, funny enough, it might sound a bit, you know, soft and, and corny, but now I literally, I comfort myself in bed. Like I put my hand on my heart. And I just become aware that it's all good. Like it's always good and I'm fine. Mm. And um, yeah, you just get yourself out of that. You, you control your nervous system and, and nervous system control is sort of really what I'm looking into now. Yeah. Um, how, to, how to regulate. And it's especially important if you've had battles with anxiety or 
things in your life have caused, you know, your, your nervous system to be a bit dysregulated. So, mm. yeah. yeah, that's awesome, man. You, you touched on beliefs and that's one thing that I've, I've, I feel has changed a lot of who I am this year is yeah. the beliefs I've had in myself, but also beliefs about certain things. And when those beliefs change and you've known those things for X many years, maybe a lifetime, like it can be overwhelming as fuck. Oh. And, you know, I put I touched briefly the other day on my story where I had this belief that me and dad don't get along. You know, it's, it's this story that if someone asked, how do you get along with your parents? Me and dad, nah, not really. And when he changed how he interacted for what I perceived as the first time ever, this belief was shattered and I, I didn't know what to do. It's like this life that I thought was going to just keep playing out day in, day out, just changing. It's like, what does this mean? Um, and it, it, it's pretty crazy because it showed me that it's like, no matter how stuck in these beliefs we are, that things can change at an instant. And like that, if we allow them to, and I'd be curious to know, like what's some of the biggest beliefs that you've kind of had challenged this year overcome and really change your perspective on, I guess, yeah, like who Chris is and what he's about. The biggest, yeah, look, the biggest and hardest one, like likewise to you, man, you know, I've, I've, I've had some things happen in my life, family related, um, that have, they've been hard to deal with, move through and, um, accept. And so, you know, I've likewise formed beliefs and, a little bit different to yours you know with my own father like we don't have a very strong bond at all um and then just this year as I was going through what I was going through I felt like he was present for the first time in my life mm. and so then that changed that changed the story again and like you said it was like well wow this is this is strange like this is a, this is a different story to what I've been telling myself my entire life and mm. you, be, you become hesitant and you you become resistant and you and you don't give yourself a hundred percent and the hardest part for me was we got to a good level and then he kind of fucked up again. And um, so I, I began telling myself a story. I began opening my myself up, opening my heart up, mm. opening that rawest part of me up and then um, feeling like I got shut on again. And yeah, it's kind of like a theme of my life. Like, you know, I've been shit on a fair few times. And, um, and so naturally I was and um and working to become different now but i was someone who struggled to trust um and and it wasn't just others it was myself and i think a biggest part of this year for me was learning to trust myself and the more that i learned to trust myself the more than i could tr learn to trust others and um so what i started doing is i threw myself into some some real inner work and on you know, routines, habits, and lifestyle changes that have have and are slowly helping me build self-trust. Mm. And now my perception of trust is slowly changing and it becomes more of a fact of I can give that trust out. And instead of worrying about being abandoned and being hurt, which is a massive wound for me, it's more now like give it out. And if it's broken, it says more about them than it does about me. Yeah. Because I'm always okay. You know, mm. I trust myself. I trust my gut, and um, you know, it's coming back. It's like it's trusting that that intuition. It's trusting that gut feeling, and it's it's always there, and it's always so strong. But it's it's been jaded, and it's been 
questioned by people outside of you and sometimes it's been manipulated you know you've trusted your gut and you've had manipulative people in your life that have made you feel like you're crazy for trusting yeah yeah um and all this leads to confusion it just leads to confusion and so you know then you don't know who you can trust and and who you are and what you want and where you're going and it it's it's a crazy crazy spiral so for me it was um learning to spend a lot of time on my own as uncomfortable as that's been and um figuring out who i am again what i love learning to trust myself mm -hmm. and then naturally that just spills out of me now into people so yeah no that's 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 a massive one man and again it's like it's something that i've struggled with and i'm struggling with and a bit of a background story and i, I don't like to sharing this kind of things but one of the the i guess the biggest catalysts and i put a post up the other day how we're we're inherently uh programmed to avoid pain and seek pleasure and uh, the pain that I kind of experienced that was the catalyst to dive into who the fuck I am and what am I about was, was breaking up with my ex. Now, um, in that relationship, again, doing something that has been a self-sabotaging thing and it's nowhere, to, <clears throat> I'm not blaming this, but it's just, this is what happened is I got drunk. And when I got drunk, I cheated on my ex and, you know, telling her, like, I still got that vision. It's, that was the hardest thing I ever had to do. And I think the second hardest thing was, was when she said, would you ever do it again? I couldn't give her an answer. And the hardest part about that was, was the, you know, the common answer was, of course not. But the, the underlying reason was that I didn't know why I did in the first place. And I didn't trust myself enough to give her my word. And that's something that's played out that I've now become aware of is I don't trust others and what they say, because I don't trust myself in my word. And I've just constantly seen time and time again, where it's like, my word means nothing. It doesn't have any value. And when it doesn't have value, you can't trust yourself and other people can't trust you. And it's just like, you need to start repairing that trust in yourself. And like you mm -hmm. said, building daily routines that you can constantly be like, I said I was going to do that. Even if it's like, I'm going to drink two liters of water a day and you do that. It's like you build those small wins that builds into momentum and then your trust actually starts meaning something. And it has like, there's this like affirmation now. It's like, my word is my bond. And it's like, it now is starting to have some worth where it's like, I trust myself to get those things done. And it's, it's crazy how, you know, something that's caused so much pain has now got to the point where, I'm great friends with my ex. I'm so grateful for everything she did because that's the other thing that I found was the thing that I missed the most was she showed me love like no one else had. And she'd love me for all I am and all raw parts of me. And that's something I'm still struggling with now is like, are people going to be there if I show you both sides, the unmasked ash? And Man, yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's fucking scary, eh? Honestly, bro, like, can I firstly say, you know, that was beautiful on all levels, like, and kudos to you for, like, you know, exposing yourself publicly like that, you know, like, not a lot of people have the nuts to say, I got drunk and I fucked up and I cheated on my girlfriend, you know, and then they don't even have the balls more so to say that I couldn't give her the answer rather than just the default, you know, like, so that takes a lot of courage and, and it's good to see, you know, this is what the world needs more of. We need to show people that we're human. Like we, we fuck up and we make mistakes and 
instead of hiding those parts of ourselves and pretending that we've got to be perfect and what you just mm. said before you know how she loved you for the rawest parts of you like that's going to be hard to come to terms with because you know that's what relationships should be all about the more i'm learning it should be like hey this is me like these are the beautiful things that i have to offer you but these are the things that i struggle with you know these are the things that have gone on in my life that have led me to act in certain ways and and mm. um, I'm, I'm not expecting you to fix me you know but you know, I, I know as a partner, I just want to be there alongside you and support you while you you mend those wounds, you know, like, yeah, and help and help you grow because, you know, you know, relationships, you know, there's that whole, I feel like it's kind of crazy. Like, there's a thing, you know, there's a big flux of it on the internet at the moment where it's like, you've got to be like totally happy on your own and healed before you can possibly be happy with someone. Else. I think that's fucking bullshit. Let's just say that. Like, mm. for two reasons. Firstly, that places in a massive amount of pressure on yourself to feel like you have to be quote unquote healed. Like, what is that? What does that look like? <laughs> yeah. Start, right. Okay. Two. Yeah. And two, two relationships. I feel, you know, like the way I'm viewing them now after two failed ones and knowing sort of why is they are like such a beautiful space and a container as such to allow you both to grow in, you know, because mm. love, like love is innately what we all want. We just want that. We come from yeah. a place of that deep down, everything that happens to us pushes us away from love. We want to come back to it. And, you know, when you're in that space and that container with someone who, you know, you're both imperfect in your own ways, but you both accept each other's parts and support the growth in those areas that need to grow. Mm. You know, that's, that, that just, that, you know, love fills you up with so much drive and so much courage. Like it, it does because you feel believed in, you feel seen and heard for you know that person that you didn't want to show and um so good on you man for like for honoring that in yourself and then speaking about it outwardly like it's vulnerability is literally how you connect with people yeah there's been many things that you've said this morning that have even made me go fuck i'm not alone in that and um, i appreciate it that is a beautiful feeling you know when you know people are not hiding it and they're going yeah man like i struggle with that too it's like oh yeah fuck i'm not the only one you know, mm. and what you said about relationships and being a container, man, like what I'm learning is they don't always have to be intimate relationships for that to be possible. And that's where finding the right people that you connect with and can be yourself with is so important. Um, because yeah, like, well, what's a good example where someone has this trait and you, you absolutely can't stand it. And it's usually because you don't have love for that person, but then someone you care about displays a certain trait and you start becoming accepting, you don't judge in this stuff because there's love there. And it just shows you that the underlying thing to be able to like love all sides of your parts is, is that love. Because yeah, once upon a time, you didn't like that train. You wouldn't even want to get to know that person. But if you, if they were family or, you know, a friend or, you know, an intimate partner and you had love for them, you'd probably actually start loving that trait. And when you start loving that trait, you start loving yourself more because we realize that we have all these traits in us. And it's like, 100%. it's when we stop, start denying that we have those traits. It's like, no, nah, I'm never angry. And it's like, I just said earlier, it's like, I've always said, I've had this anger. If I, you know, you get me there, it's, there's enough of yeah. it. And yeah, once you start like kind of realizing that you have those traits and you're just like everyone else, you, you stop kind of putting this judgment on people. And I guess that comes back to what we said about earlier is, um, which was, uh, what did you say? It was saying about um, 
at the underlying reason for that emotion emotion yes, and, yes. yeah because i know man like even on socials it's very easy to judge people and it's mm. very easy to judge their content and i know for me a lot of that judgment stemmed from they're doing what i want to do yeah um yeah yeah and you know again you know it just it all points back to you you know in mm. every and, it, and it's up to you to take accountability and that's again very frightening because it's easier to shy away from being accountable. Um, mm. But I just think you know, the more you, like you said before, the more you can come into a space with less judgment and and more love is when you know that's when healing happens for you. It also it also creates a space for other people to heal too. The best I believe personally, the most beautiful thing you can do for another human being is not judge. Is like hold space for them and look deeper like don't look at how they act the behaviors they have you know what they get angry about you know like seek to understand the soul mm. of that human being and go like well, you know what's going on in your life like you know and then you know what went on in your parents life and then your parents life you know like I repaired two really crazy relationships for me this year you know my mum and I growing up she was you know default very angry she suffered postpartum anxiety and depression. You know, my dad wasn't around because he was addicted to drugs. And, um, you know, she, she wasn't outwardly expressive of love. She was a bit heavy handed on me and hit me. And um, I grew up with a lot of hate and resentment until this year, I took a look at her life and I went, you know, you from 15 years old were raised in a house where you had an alcoholic abusive father who used to hit mm. your mum. You had to flee the house at 15 years old. You knew my father three months when you fell pregnant with me. Then he was off with his addictions and everything else. You know, like you're just doing the best you could. And mm. becoming a parent myself, I was like, fuck, there's so many moments where I'm like, who was I to ever think I was going to get this shit perfect? Like, man, there are so many moments where I'm like, I'm questioning myself. Like, how can I be a better dad? Oh, I flipped out a little bit too much there. Or, oh, now I'm feeling bad because I got angry, angry. I'm not allowed to feel anger. Like, you know, am I repeating cycles? You know, you, you get in your head because you want the best for your own children. But when I saw her as her, it allowed me to acknowledge those parts of her. And what I did was I made her feel seen and I made her feel heard mm. and I made her, I made her feel okay. And, and um, it's such a forgiveness is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I even reconnected with a really good friend of mine this year, four years ago. Um, it ended horribly. I found out you know, my partner who I was with at the time for six years and him were sleeping together behind my back. And so at that time, I lost two of the most important people in my life. Mm. And um, four years went by, you know, he missed, he missed the birth of my children, both my children, he missed a lot. And um, just this year, I reached out to him and, you know, we, we've caught up and I just said, you know, again, like he grew up, didn't have a good father figure in his life. He had his own trials, his own tribulations. At the time, we were 21. We were partying every weekend on drugs, doing silly shit. And he made a fucking bad mistake. He made a bad mistake. And yeah. you know, who, who, again, who are we to think that we don't make them? So I saw it two ways. And I was like, you know, he's changed a lot in the four years that have gone by, which I've seen. And so it's like, I can invite him back into my life and forgive and potentially experience 30, 40 years of beautiful, beautiful memories together. Mm. Or I stay bitter, I stay bitter, I stay angry, I stay stuck and I don't move through it. I, you know, and that's not just, that's not what I want to do anymore. And um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's a massive, um, 
the ability to look back and analyze things and put it together and come back, man, it's, um, it's pretty impressive because I know that it takes more effort to look back and wanting to understand, just like you said, that we should seek to understand why people do what they do instead of judging how they react, because we have no idea what that person's experienced that's led to them on a conscious or unconscious level to then behave that way. And I think, you know, what you've done and what you were saying with your mates and relationships and, you know, even with your mom and stuff like that, it's, it's definitely making me want to go ahead and kind of do the same thing that you've done. Um, because yeah, it's, it's not easy. It, it's definitely not easy. And I'd, I'd pose the question to you and it's, do you think that people need to experience pain in order to change? Because I think that's two things that it's both prompted us and a few people that I know that have kind of like kind of looked inwards at who the hell are they are, have experienced a significant level of pain to the point where they're like, I'm not happy and I want to find out. Do you, do you think it is possible for people to, to make these profound changes and want to look at themselves like we have without that, that level of, I just can't keep going on like this. Um, yeah. What, what do you kind of think? For me, Ash, like it's very much a paradox. Um, psychology says, you know, in most theories that humans do need to experience deep levels of pain and emotions such as shame and guilt to go back with hindsight and analyze what went on and, and, and then propel them into behavior change. But I also believe that those heavy emotions such as shame and guilt keep you stuck on a spiritual level they they keep you very low they you know they don't allow you to experience those higher emotions which generally do cultivate that those positive changes in your life and so mm. it's a, it's a it's a slippery slope because you know i'm a, a big believer that you cannot hate yourself into change you know so say you're overweight you know you're not happy that you're overweight right? For example, your habits keep you overweight, your lifestyle doesn't uh, promote a better change for yourself. But what good is it being like you're a fat buck or like, you know, you're fat and lazy or this or that or whatever you tell yourself, like, how, how is the negative, critical, terrible dialogue going to want to make you do better for yourself? And so it's, it's an absolute paradox of, you know, sometimes I think for me personally, like I had to go through a shitload of pain. I, yeah, I had to face many, many demons. I had to get to the point of not even wanting to be here anymore to then go, no, like this is not, this is not my story. This is not where it ends. And um, I'm here for a reason. Like I've just mm. been doing things wrong. I've been putting on that mask and, it's just led me to a place that is so far from the Chris that I am that that's, you know, that's also the reason for my unhappiness because I'm not being authentic. Yeah. That's a very good point. And I, I can just look back to this morning when I was in a bit of a pickle and all the motions and the thoughts and even the, the stories that was running in my head, they were such of a negative kind that it, it did not make me want to go back to all the stuff that I knew would make me feel good. And I think you're, you're right where, just being in that state isn't enough because like I knew I had to do, you know, three or four things. I needed to hydrate, I need to get outside. I needed to do activity and I needed to eat well. And it's like, I knew that those things would turn me around like that. 
But when you're stuck in that, that, you know, that destructive cycle, I don't think it allows growth because as you said, you're at these emotions that are quite significant, but they're not kind of like wanting you to go out and change yourself. No. Not. Yeah. And they, they, they don't, they don't serve you for your highest good. Mm. They're very, um, they're very heavy. They, you know, energetically, they keep you very, very low. And um, yeah, like, and this is where the work comes in. Like you said, you know, those things that are good for you, you know what you have to do, but your brain makes every excuse not to do it. And I think it comes back to something that you also said earlier in the podcast, you know, when you were receiving that, that attention and that support for your anxiety, you know, we become, we can become addicted to negative emotions too. And the, the rewards that they give us yeah. um, and what we're so desperately wanting, but then it becomes, well, how can I give it to myself? And yeah. they're, they're often such simple things, you know, we, we overlook it. And for me, my pillars every day, everywhere. And like, you know, I go like this through life, man, like I have highs and lows, like you wouldn't believe. And um, it's all, it's all part of it, but the staples that keep me grounded, are things like, you know, cold exposure, breath work, meditating for five, 10 minutes, as hard as that is for me, because I quieting my mind is a really difficult thing to do. Um, and then also too, you know, journaling every night, you know, a big thing for me and being able to actually acknowledge the parts of myself that I love. And I know I bring to the table was journaling and eight months ago when I was at the pits of my breakdown, I couldn't write one thing I loved about myself. And um, now, yep. you know, like what, what have I been doing it for? You know, I've only really started doing it properly like the last two months, but I probably have like 15 to 20 entries in there most nights where, you know, it's like three things I'm grateful for, three things I love about myself and three things that I'm proud of myself for. And I always found generally hard because like, what am I grateful for? I've got to think of these grandiose things. And it was like, no, nah, yeah. that literally like something that I'm grateful for today. I've been in, I've been quite sensitive and emotional this morning. Um, I walked into the servo and I just had this beautiful woman, you know, just greet me with a, how are you darling? She was a little bit older and just her energy. I was like, you know what? That goes in my notebook tonight. You know, that mm. little tiny social interaction with her um, and just feeling her energy, that softness, that, you know, that, that niceness in her yeah is, you know like let's just let, let's appreciate those tiny little things and it, it's it's a muscle hey and it, it needs to be trained and i didn't know what to think when you said that because i had the same thing i remember this guy asked me he's like ash what have you done that's successful in your life and i started bawling my eyes because despite all my triumphs and wins i couldn't think of one thing that was good enough to tell another person mm. and mm. you know that gratitude thing like again i was the same i, I didn't even know what to be grateful for and he's yeah. like, did you get a coffee today? And he's like, I was like, yeah. And he's like, are you grateful that you're supporting other businesses? And it's like things like that I didn't even think of. And it, yeah. as you said, like it just takes time and you got to practice it. And then it becomes to the point where you don't have to journal, but it's still a good thing to do because it's that it keeps you just accountable. Um, yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways for like people listening is it's like, you don't have to go and have this like enlightenment lightened experience or this healing journey like in my eyes healing is just growth and yep. if you go with the mindset of you need to be healed before life happens like you're not going to enjoy the moment whereas if you're like i'm going to work on myself each day and every day for the rest of my life then that makes sense because if you're going to yep. live to 80 
what, do you have another bloody like 60 years of healing to do <laughs> before you can start yeah. living? Or, yeah, and you, yeah. Go. No, no, I was just like, I was just touching on like what you said. Like, it's just so true. You know, like what I was saying before with like relationships and like job opportunities and stuff like that. There's always like, there's always this notion of like certain conditions need to be right, you know? Mm. And um, like, let me tell you firsthand, the people that are preaching that you need to be fully healed are not. And the people that are very successful still don't have it all worked out in business. Um, and, you know, once again, here we are believing that the opinion of someone else should direct the way we navigate our life. And so we shut things up. We shut down potential love because we feel like mm. we're not lovable. We shut down business opportunities because we, we don't feel like we're ready. And um, we sabotage ourselves every single day instead of, just stepping into it and being raw, honest and vulnerable and just being like, you know, I'm a work in progress every single day and let's bring along people who are like-minded, you know, like bring yeah. them into your life, support them too, you know, like build your circle on people who they think the same way. Yeah. And, exactly. Um, yeah. I think, like you said, you know, you're not going to go, like you're not going to go into the rainforest and trip on DMT for eight hours and then come out <laughs> magically. Like, like you've got a fucking unicorn on your, like, yeah. on your head and, you, and you're, you know you're pure like you're not pure like no yeah. one is so you know it's getting comfortable with it's getting comfortable with the side the sides and the parts of yourself that are uncomfortable to look at and then it's about like wholeheartedly loving and embodying the parts of you that you know are so good and yeah um, it's just that balance of light and dark my dude 100 and I think I heard this thing one time and it was like, they said that hell's looking at yourself in the mirror at the end of life and seeing who you could have become and heaven's looking at yourself in the mirror and realizing that's the person you became. And I think if you have the mindset that life is just levels and each level, you know, you upgrade, you're still going to have challenges. You're still going to have wins, but if you keep going up that ladder, like that should be the mentality. It's continuous progress. So you can get to the highest level yourself that you're capable of instead of being stuck on maybe like, you know, level four. And I think that that's where this work of constantly looking and reflecting just helps you get through the hurdles and the steps that life has so that you can reach that, that ultimate, uh, the level at the end of your time. So yeah, man. hundred percent. Um, no, thanks for coming on. And it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'd love to get you on again and just hear more of what you have to say, but for those listening, where can they find you and all that? Yeah. So no, pleasure, man. It's been, it's been awesome. And it's, it's great. You know, when you connect with other people who are clearly, you know, lined up with the same sort of stuff. So it's, it's really refreshing. Um, in terms of my Instagram, I'm not really big on Facebook, but my Instagram, you can find me at, at Chris underscore transformation coaching. I uh, sort of, you know, I do a lot of posts on there with this sort of stuff. It's a real blend of everything, physical, emotional, mental, um, I do like quite a lot of chats to the camera each week, just on topics. I, you know, I just speak what comes through to me at the time, you know, whatever I'm going through. And if I feel that it could potentially land for even one or two people, then, you know, that's what I'm doing it for. It's, I get no financial gain out of speaking to the camera each week. I don't, I don't gain any new clients from it as yet. I'm just deeply, deeply passionate about helping humans be more human. Mm. And uh, that's one thing I, I quickly asked you because I wanted to ask you at the start was where do you see yourself going with this stuff? And where do you think the industry will kind of like, yeah, take it up? You know, you know, I think we're coming, you know, I've always, with rehab, I've even had 
a little bit of a change in thought, you know, like we always address like muscles and we address like bones and joints, you know, and we have physios and we have osteos and we have pyros and we have all this, but, you know, I, I, I view it as a three phase thing and it always starts with the nervous system. You know, the nervous system, you know, dictates what muscles contract and then the muscles that contract, they move the bones and bones and the joints. And so if, you know, that's on a practical sense, that's on a physical mm. sense, but if we really look at that and go, it all starts with the nervous system, then I think that's the golden ticket and, and more work needs to be done around there first. 100%. That's awesome, man. Thanks again. No, you're most welcome, Ash. Thanks for having me on, my dude. The Between Two Lines podcast, talking about performance, life, and everything in between. Featuring your hosts, Johnny Stahl and Ash Hamilton. Ash Hamilton.